Hello again. This is another episode, and thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. I am very grateful for your presence. Um, to anybody listening, I would be very appreciative if you went and gave this podcast a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. I believe that gets it in front of more eyes and more ears, so that would help me out a lot. Um, thank you anyways, and I'm grateful for you tuning in. This conversation is a awesome conversation with my brother, Nick Cherwink, who is a life coach and all around badass dude. <laughs> I love having conversations with this guy because he just tends to cut through all of the bullshit and asks the questions that are most needed in that moment. And he can just, he can read me like a book. Um, if I were to ever hire a life coach, this would definitely be the guy. And all of his information is in the, in the show description. So if you're interested, check him out. I guarantee you that it would be worth it. He, uh, he works with a lot of artists, a lot of creators, and people who aren't creators. Um, yeah, this conversation dives into staying healthy during COVID. Um, we get pretty deep on the idea of, of death and why we think that not being able to see death and accept it in our Western culture leads to a lot of unnecessary issues. And we, for about the last half good part of the podcast, we get into nice guy syndrome and what it means to be a nice guy and essentially putting others' needs ahead of your own and how we both have really come together uh, on finding this out and reading a book about it and just really diving into what it means to, to be a man in our current culture and how to embody the divine masculine and show up in the world without feeling shame or, or guilt around our masculine identity. So without further ado, here is the conversation with Nick Cherwink. Thanks for listening. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ryan Railsback podcast. And I am extremely excited to be here with uh, my soul brother, Nick Cherwink. Um, we have had an interesting relationship and connection thus far and how uh, it has come about. But first, Nick, thanks for being here. My pleasure, bro. I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it. Thanks. Ever. Man. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So just real quickly, our relationship is interesting because we've actually only hung out in physical form once and it was about, I don't know, 30 minutes. It was, it was awesome. It was beautiful. But I would say that you have been a major player in helping me remain accountable in my path of growth and helping me, uh, remain, um, 
yeah, just just staying on the path of growth. And so it's just interesting how those relationships can kind of come together through the digital and internet forms that we have of communicating these days. It's so funny that you say that because I, I never really considered that you and I have actually face-to-face in real life only spent about 30 minutes with each other because like, I feel like I know you so well. I do know you so well. And our relationship is so fucking strong and so tight. Like you're one of my soul brothers, as you say. And it's great. It's so cool. This is like such a great example of uh, the power, I guess, of, um, you know, URL (laughs) relationships. Yeah, 100%. And so anyone I want to encourage, if you felt some sort of, connection or like there could be a connection with someone just reach out to them just just hit them up dm them shoot them a message on facebook find their email and i mean shoot your shot see see what comes of it because that's the beauty of social media and the internet now i think is we can make these connections from other sides of of the world you know um and and i would i would just add to that real quick to shoot your shot for any kind of job opportunities or people in your career or profession that you want to connect with. Because when I look back on my really big game-changing moments in my career, it was usually a result of me just sending an email out to some random person that I had never met that I wanted to connect with and then having them give me give me a shot. You know, So uh, it's great. Just put yourself out there. We hold ourselves too back too much, you know, thinking of well, what if they don't reply or what, what if they say something? It's like you're missing out on so many opportunities if you don't just put yourself out there. Oh, absolutely. I still, uh, I'll always have this quote in my head, but, and it's like, you know, the generic quote that's in like uh, plastered on the wall in all high schools and stuff, but it's like you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And it is so true. We put so much limit just pre- conceived limit of the possibilities of what could happen and kind of stick in our silent little, you know, bubble and, uh, and don't shoot the shot. So I encourage everyone to, uh, to do that. You, you, you sunk your ball in my basket. (laughs) I did. I definitely did. Uh, and so we'll, we'll get deeper into, uh, kind of like where the relationship has taken us, uh, up, to recently, but I just wanted to touch on, you know, we're in this time of coronavirus and COVID and, and quarantine. And I think that uh, there's a mindset of, you know, kind of like, oh, the year is messed up. 2020 is messed up, not getting able to not being able to do the things that I had expectations of doing. But I think like everything, it can be spun in kind of a positive light. And so I was just wondering, like, how you have dealt with the quarantine and dealt with uh, the the mitigation of distractions and kind of the the positive side that has come from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been an interesting year to say the least. On a very direct level, I already work from home. I didn't. I, I wasn't strongly affected you know, personally, like my day to day wasn't altered, I think, like some other people's work. So just to preface it by saying that in, in general, my life wasn't drastically changed. 
Um, at the same time, I can't help but be tuned in to the energetic shift of the world as we go through this pandemic, as we go through this social uh, evolution. Um, and, and to be honest, I mean, I, I sit back and look at it as it's like it's a, it's a beautiful thing because this is part of life. Change is a part of life. Death is a part of life. And, you know, it's easier to say that when you're not affected, <laughs> right? For me to look back. And, and I mean, I actually did, I, I'm pretty sure I did have coronavirus. I was sick as fuck for a week. So um, I guess I was affected, but being a very young, very healthy person that works out every day, I still, even getting coronavirus wasn't that effective. Um, so, you know, for sure, by this point in my journey and my personal development quest, I'm very wired to see challenges as opportunities. It's like the first thing that I automatically, I'm, it's almost an automatic thought process now that when something challenging or quote unquote negative happens, I, I almost automatically look at, okay, what is this teaching me? What is there to learn? How can I grow from this? So, you know, as soon as, as soon as things started kind of changing and shifting, I, I was, you know, kind of constantly looking for that. And I think that there is so much good that has come out of it as well. Right. There's just, um, you know, there's, there's people that like aren't going to the jobs that they fucking hate anymore. <laughs> you know, I have one of my, one of my clients, uh, you know, he, he, he quit his job and he's doing his own thing, like, you know, mentoring and teaching people how to make music and working for himself. Um, and you know, so there's, there's been business opportunities out of it. Uh, it's allowed a lot of people to slow down a lot of people to really just like think about their life and have some self-reflection. Um, it's ended a lot of relationships, which is fucking great, right? That like you now realize that you don't really belong with that partner that you've been with this whole time. You've just been too busy living life to notice that they were the wrong person for you. <laughs> you know, I have a couple people who have ended relationships and it's like, awesome. That's great that this, that this pandemic provided you the opportunity to free yourself, <laughs> you know? So all of that is just, you know, it's, it's all about how you look at it. Right. And um, not to discredit the fact that like, yeah, people are fucking dying. Like that's some that's some that's some real shit, you know, so I don't want to um, I don't want to make that any any lighter than it is. But I, and, and at the same time, it's like, yeah, people are dying every day. And that is part of life. And that's a reality that that we have to face, whether we're in a pandemic or not. Yeah, completely. Oh, there's so much so much to unpack from that. Um yeah, I could not agree more. And there's this concept uh, in Stoic philosophy that's like uh, alive time versus dead time. And it's like, are you taking the extra time that you have to kill it to like, and I don't mean kill it like crush life, like kill the time and distract yourself and and uh, binge watch, you know, Netflix. And, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but what I'm getting at is that we could we we our freedom as of choice has been completely opened up and we've been given so much time and we're we're able to reflect on where our energy is being put and it's like a it's a full like hyper growth period almost you know it's like it's a total reflection of identity on both the individual level and the collective level and it's like 
who am I truly? You know, what is this mirror showing me? And it might show you that, you know, you're uh, using things and addicted to distractions to not focus on the trauma or conditioning or, or things that you know in your heart that you want to work on or that you're using distractions and the external uh, loop hamster wheel of life to um, kind of just ignore uh, partnerships or friendships or whatever it may be. And so I think that it's it's beautiful that it's really forcing us to look at ourselves um, on uh, just such a deep level. And yeah. so like one of the one of the things that I realized is that I was very um attached to going to the gym a lot. And I know that you're a physical person. You're you're very much about the gym and I have actually felt so much more improvement from just having to use the things at my house and having to use body weight and going back to the basics and and the foundation and I really want to push this conversation during this time more of physical health um, because there isn't enough. I, I personally feel like there's not enough conversation around the virus going for working on our immune systems and working on our physical health and and instilling healthy habits and so how do you feel like that has affected your side of of physical and health and and habits yeah well i definitely i I mean going back to what i said earlier i think just being healthy and i think anybody that is really healthy and takes care of themselves on a regular basis is much less likely to be um, uh, you know, attacked in a, in a strong way by the virus that's going on. So that's been um, a great benefit of it. I guess in terms of the, you know, day-to-day sort of health shift um, that I've experienced, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gym rat. I've, I'm in the gym every day. I do CrossFit. I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big part of my, my day and my routine. So, um, you know, the gym was shut down for a little bit and that, you know, that's, that, was unfortunate, but we adapted and built, you know, made our own little carport gym and still continued working out, which I think was great to not just use it, use it as an excuse to stop. Um, so I've been able to stay, you know, healthy throughout, throughout the time. And I think what's actually cool is it seems like some, a lot of people have actually started working out that perhaps weren't even before because they've been stuck inside and are, kind of going crazy right and so everybody's itching to like i need to get outside i need to move my body and i don't know it's it seems like you know people are actually maybe not working out more but i think that people that weren't working out before actually have been getting out and i don't know that could be completely wrong that's just like a theory but i'm sure there's some people out there that that fall into that category so that's kind of cool yeah i 100 percent, and i think it's like coronavirus has brought like this big flashing board and it's like take care of your immune systems you know like like it's like focusing on the health always and Mm -hmm. focusing on the thing that's in our control like you said kind of creates a a safety net for when things like this do happen and we feel a little bit more safe we feel more comfortable because we know that that is always a part of our life and you know we don't we don't have to um really sink into that state of fear around it 
as well. Yeah. And I love what you said about death too, and how it's like people die every day. There is so much death. And I think that it's kind of shined a microscope on the idea of death and that it's almost trying to get us to accept that death is the other half of life. It's, it's what makes life meaningful. It's what makes, uh, the drive to live each day as if you don't know when your death is coming. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, minimize anyone's, uh, being affected by the death of uh, anyone close with coronavirus or, or anything else. But I think it's so important to um, to think about death on a regular basis. And I, I really think that we try to avoid it at all costs and it subconsciously and unconsciously drives our behavior when we're not willing to accept that that is a necessary part of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I it's funny. I was just talking to my high school rugby coach about this the other day, he randomly texted me, uh, his, his daughter just came back from the Peace Corps and she was in Africa. And I guess they were having a discussion about the difference culturally around death. You know, we really distance ourselves from it as much as possible, right? We try to stay young forever. Um, we, you know, really avoid anything having to do with the idea of death, we almost sort of pretend like it's not a thing. And then it's, we wait until the very end until it happens. And, um, which I think is just culturally very different. If you go to other parts of the world where death is, um, you know, even celebrated in, in some places and, and it's just much more, much more realistic about it and, and don't avoid it like, like we do, which, you know, I think the avoidance of it is, is really actually unhealthy. Um, I was reading, I, I didn't finish it. I got kind of distracted from it, but I was reading the Tibetan book of the dead. Oh no, it was the, the, the Tibetan book of living and dying. And, um, it's really cool. It's just like his, the, the, the guy that wrote it is, uh, he basically is just like, he just prepares people for death. Like, and kind of walks them through the stages of like, look, this is what's going to happen, you know? So get ready for it. And like, let's not, rather than just ignoring it or pretending like it's not going to happen, let's educate ourselves about it. Let's prepare ourselves for it. Um, you know, we're now seeing, uh, you know, there's the legalization of, of psilocybin going on, um, which is so cool about, you know, using it for uh, people that are terminally ill, cancer patients that are having to face the fact that they are going to die. It's going to happen. And like, holy shit, what happens to a normal Western brain, when we realistically have to come up against that, is we go into a depression. And you know, it's 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 cool that they're they're using therapy and psilocybin to help people confront their mortality and uh, find acceptance in that, which which is probably a result of us culturally being so de uh, in denial to the fact that like we're all gonna fucking die someday. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, as stark as you want to think about it, like I always think it's like. The minute you're born, you start moving towards death. You have yeah. like it, the second you come into this world, you start dying. And that's not a negative or bad thing. It's just how life works. And like you said, I think the Western culture and the Western mindset is so programmed around material identity and the ego. And so the ego is always going to try to preserve its identity and to make itself feel safe. And so that's why going back to the, our spiritual roots and our spiritual roots of, of what it means to be a human and being connected with the earth and, and seeing death from an accepted point of view and almost as this, uh, 
this transition into whatever is on the other side and having faith that there's something else waiting for us, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm very big on the idea of, of death and trying to normalize what, what death is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, and that, yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was just gonna, I was going to say, and, that, and that's why we have psychedelics so that we can go jump the fence and, get to play in that playground and, and then come back with those insights. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it literally, when you take a large dose and obviously be responsible with it and do it in a safe area, but when you take a dose that's strong enough, you do get that feeling of death because it shuts your ego off. And so your ego perceives it as death that is coming. And then you kind of go through the process and then you almost like come back into it and you're like, oh, wow, like that wasn't as bad as I, as my ego anticipated that it was going to be. Yeah. Or it was worse. Sometimes, sometimes that's what you need though. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a shocker to the system. Um, But so let's move over to uh, this idea of nice guy syndrome. And I want to give some context onto that real quick. And one of the, I'd say the, one of the biggest things that has come from this lockdown and quarantine, and it kind of just timed out at the same time was you suggesting a book to me called no more Mr. Nice guy. Um, and then suggesting that we kind of start a little men's group around it and having weekly calls. And uh, there's, you know, me, you, two other guys who are your friends, who were your friends and are now my friends. And it was a immediate acceptance and, and connection. And learning about nice guy syndrome and what it means to be a nice guy has been life-changing for me. It has opened the awareness around the characteristics that I've carried with me since a young child um, and has really just completely opened my eyes to how I tend to put other ne- others' needs before mine and put a lot of other things before my myself. Um, and so what has the book, reading the book and going through the process of understanding nice guy syndrome what do you feel like that's that's done for you? Wow. Yeah, it certainly has been one of those game-changing books and philosophies that has also made a, a significant difference. And man, where do I even begin on that? I think one one of the big things is yeah, it's it's being being aware of my needs and and not being afraid of asking for them, uh, especially in a relationship. I think in a relationship has probably been where it's shown up the most. And I think also you know kind of reading during quarantine while being you know very intimately you know close and like live with my girlfriend. Um, you know it, there's uh, there's been a lot of opportunities to practice right. Like one of those just the the big thing of you know, just wanting or needing something, but being hesitant to ask for it. Um, and, you know, always, it's like just 
saying yes all the time to things that maybe you don't actually want to say yes to. And it's like, you can fucking say no sometimes. It's like, hey, no, actually, I don't want to watch that movie, <laughs> right? Or, you know, it's like, it's like little stuff, but um, it's, it's very empowering to become aware of it, to become aware of how much you, you put your own needs aside and, um, you know, and, 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 and not to say that, of course, like being in a relationship, you, you should part your, put your partner first and you should be attentive to their needs, but it, it can't be extreme to the point that you deny your own needs. Right. Um, so that's a, yeah, that's been one, one big part of it for sure. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest parts of it for me really has been me discovering and, and, and not just discovering, but I, cause I think reading the way of the superior man was another book that really planted the seed for me, just discovering a passion and an interest for learning about masculinity and really discovering that within myself. But then, but then the, the big thing has been helping other people do the same. So I have multiple clients that I've since, you know, given the book to of, of no more Mr. Got nice guy. And we're working through the exercises together. So I'm getting to coach other men on some of these topics and some of these issues. And to me, that's been the biggest kind of coolest, most rewarding thing is like, yeah, as I, as I go do the work, I get to go help others, others do the work. I get to do the work with you and with our group. And then I also get to help clients going, you know, going through it too. So I've really just discovered this newfound passion for uh for yeah for the work completely i'm I'm very much on the same level on uh a lot of that uh all mainly you know i've been living with my my partner my girlfriend uh during this quarantine specifically and so what that does is it again it's like this hyper growth period and it's like when you are using the relationship to remain conscious and to grow with each other. It's like the other person's a mirror. It's always a mirror reflecting yeah. who you are back at you and how you're behaving and, and what you are choosing to attach onto. Um, and it's, um, I think of it like, uh, like the matrix. It's like red pill or blue pill in, in either of the, in either of the partner's eyes. And in any moment you can choose to take that blue pill and sink back into the ego, or you can choose to take the red pill and dive into the mirror of yourself and, and undo trauma and conditioning and, and programming and, and everything that's been wrapped up, uh, from childhood. Um, yeah. and yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me, well, so nice guy syndrome for anyone listening is a list of characteristics that basically shows many different things. Um, but the, the gist of it is that you think that your own needs are coming off as, uh, being a burden. And so therefore you put other things ahead of you. And then there's kind of like a lot of byproducts that come with that. And one of the biggest ones that I took away was what he calls, uh, covert contracts. And that we say that we're being genuine with our choices and with our decisions and allowing, you know, always saying yes, 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 and not, not expressing what we actually want or need in that moment. Um, and we, we think we're being genuine, but there's this subconscious or unconscious contract that's an expectation of receiving something in return. And it's never kind of laid out. And when that contract isn't met, 
then that creates resentment and the resentment then gets pushed down like everything else. And it just keeps kind of boiling up and boiling up until it, it explodes in one situation. Um, and so that has been one of the biggest takeaways for me is just like these covert contracts and expectations that I used to really take into everything and just kind of like expect something in return without expressing that. So what's an example of a covert contract that you had? Simplest form um, is saying I love you just to hear I love you back. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say 99% of the time your partner is going to say I love you back. But if it's if that's what you're looking for from it or if you're asking someone or your partner how their day was just wanting them to ask you how your day was, then if they don't do that right away, then, mm-hmm. you know, you carry resentment with it. And I, I should stop saying you because this is what I used to do. And so um, that is definitely um, a lot of the things that that I uh, used to do. And I wish I had a list of the characteristics out um, in front of me. But what uh, what would you say has been a specific characteristic around yourself that that you uh became aware of and kind of unwound mm. yeah um definitely the learning how to just verbalize you know what i need and what i want and being okay with that being okay with having needs um, and being okay with asking for those for those needs to be met has been um, probably the biggest you know the biggest one from that. Um, I think you know what I've noticed also like is because that that you know again living living with my girlfriend that's the mirror and that's where it shows up the most is definitely in the relationship. Um, you know something that I noticed with myself recently, which is which has been cool has been like really being okay with telling people no like somebody somebody hit me up and they were like hey man like do you want to like just kind of hop on the phone and shoot the shit and I didn't want to and I straight up just said like no I'm not really interested in that (laughs) rather than making up some like bullshit white lie or like sidestepping just straight up being like no I'm that's not that's not what I want you know, um, I think someone else, my, yeah, my sister, I did it with, with my sister also. She like sent me some, something on, it was silly, you know, she like sent me something on, uh, on Instagram or whatever. And I was just like, I'm not interested in watching this. Like, I'm not, I just told her, I was like, I'm not going to watch this, <laughs> you know, and just being like leaning into that. And, and cause so many times we just, we sidestep confrontation, even though it's not real. I mean, it can be real confrontation. Right. And, and, and there's so many different ways that we'll avoid confrontation. And so even on these, these little things of just really speaking what's on my mind and realizing that I'm not an asshole by saying no to a request that you've given me, just like I need to be able to accept the possibility of you saying no to something that I asked for. And, and it's okay. It doesn't make you a jerk either. Right. But that's just my, that's, that's my truth and that's your truth and it's all good. Uh, we don't need to be like emotional and butthurt about stuff. Um, but it, it really is empowering to, it's very empowering to just, um, 
yeah, to to not sidestep things, to just to just hit them, to just hit you know hit them head on, and then also it's like not to not feel bad about it. Yeah, 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 and it's like somewhere along the line, you know, growing up and how we learn everything from our parents and soak everything in. It's like, you know our needs weren't met at some point or we inferred a conclusion that our needs were being uh met that we were being a burden um or that we needed to lie or be dishonest um in order to be loved and it's all these weird like twisty paradigms that cause us to do this and um i i think one of the covert contract things for me was that like because i always said yes to everything when then when i would hear a no i would get i would be like what what well like you know and then project like well i would say yes to that because i would put your needs ahead of mine and then so then that brings up all this resentment you know and so um i just want to read a, a list off of these characteristics real quick and so this book is by Dr. Robert A. Glover. Um, it's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I'll write it in kind of the show description and show notes, but basically the characteristics, and these are very blunt and very upfront. So if you get uh, triggered by any of these, there's a chance that you're a nice guy. Nice guys are dishonest. They are secretive. They are compartmentalized. They are manipulative. They are controlling. They give to get. They're passive aggressive. They are full of rage. They are addictive. They have difficulty setting boundaries. They are frequently isolated and are often attracted to people in situations that need fixing. And obviously it's not, you know, black and white. It's not all or none. You might have some of these and, and some not, but it's a, when he kind of lists those off in the book, it's, I did feel like, whoa, what? You know, he's calling me dishonest he's he's calling me secretive and then i went through a whole process of realizing how i had been dishonest and how i had been secretive around things and it revolved around the attachment to the relationship and the fear of losing that relationship um and so with the attachment, I was doing everything I possibly could to make sure that everything was perfect and avoid conflict because conflict meant possible loss of the relationship. And yeah. so it's just like, it's these whole twisted things that once you finally are willing to be vulnerable with yourself, and again, it helps to have a group or another guy who is a safe space and and that you can lay 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 it out on the line with um but yeah. once you really pick these things apart and examine the characteristics they're so accurate well and and i think that's been one of the biggest takeaways from the book is not even the book itself but the group that we formed per the suggestion of of the book um that having, you know, as, as men, we oftentimes stuff our shit down. <laughs> we don't talk about it. We're very bad at being, being vulnerable. We're very bad about going to those dark, messy, sticky, emotional places and, and showing that side of ourselves. right? It's hard enough to have that conversation with yourself 
let alone to have that conversation with other people. And that's the work though, right? That's like that sort of shadow work that people would talk about that when you are able to share your deepest, darkest secrets and your deepest insecurities with other people and to actually say it out loud, the minute that you do that, it starts to lose power. And that's been one of the most incredible things has been having a group of guys to be able to, you know, turn to, to, you know, discuss our, our real life issues. But I think the group is so strong because the, 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 in the foundation of it, we actually, we all really like came out and just like aired our shit and we just laid it on the table and we're like, Hey, look, this is, this is what I'm scared of. This is, you know, where I'm fucked up. This is where I've been hurt and traumatized. And like, that's it. I'm fucking naked. I'm exposed. Like now what? All right. Now let's build ourselves up and let's go from there. And holy shit, man, I wish everybody could have that experience. Completely agree. It's, it's been absolutely beautiful. And just to like, feel so supported by other men too. And, and, and that, that feeling of that frequency of, of love really is what it is. It's this unconditional form of love that holds this frequency and this vibration and this space that is a safe space. And it is a comfortable space because you know that that you got my back, you know, you got, everybody has each other's backs. And it's just like, exactly like you said, it's like, uh, we're outing ourselves, I think is what the the term was that we were talking about in our group was like, out yourself, speak it into existence. So then it's in front of you. It's in your awareness. It's in your conscious mind. And it's not running amok in, in your subconscious and, and using yeah. your behavior to control what you do. Yeah. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're being controlled so often by these sort of invisible thoughts that live deep down in the murky muck. And, they, and, and so to just, to just to shine the light on them and uh, allow them to, to be set free, it's like, it's just, it's, it's very liberating. It's like taking the parking brake off and actually being able to accelerate at the, at the pace that you're supposed to be. Yeah. 100%. I remember one of the one of the bigger kind of like openings of portals for me was at the very beginning when David, who is another uh, guy in this group uh, who I'll do a, an episode with eventually, but he was talking about anger and the emotion of anger and how um, we're very conditioned around that we're not supposed to be angry and that we're not supposed to show our anger. And obviously we want to learn how to be with our anger and express our anger in a um, controlled way and not let it control us. But I never realized how much anger I suppressed and I just ignored. And I, without sitting with it, without um, consciously accepting it and being with it and then responding to it from there. And I just, right away, I noticed the sm- how I would react to the smallest little things, you know? And I, I don't think that, um, I was ever one to like, you know, have crazy temper tantrums and stuff. I could be completely wrong about that. My girlfriend might say otherwise, but it's like just seeing how often that anger kind of leaks out 
Um, and then we kind of like take it and shove it back in. And then it's like, Oh, you know, don't be, don't be angry. Don't be angry. We're men. Like we can't show our anger. We can't be angry. And ever since then it's been on a, like it really opened wide a doorway for me to kind of like finally be okay with letting that energy up and being with it and letting it release, you know, and kind of detox out. For sure. And there's, there's something about, you know, being a man with masculine energy that like their anger is part of our being <laughs> like it's that is you know we would kind of consider like anger being masculine energy and we demonize it right it's and we, we make it seem bad when it's just it just is what it is it's just energy and it's and it's a part of us and it's important that we have a healthy relationship with it um, so learning how to you know not not even control it, but how to not direct it towards people, because that's where it gets, you know, scary, and it gets offensive, but um, how to have a healthy relationship. I mean, for you know, that's, that's why I go to the fucking gym every day, man, you know, it, it used to be my more, you know, it used to be when I was just going to 24 hour fitness and doing bodybuilding, it was like me and my AirPods and just heavy metal as loud as it could go and just fucking lifting weights. And it was like, I got to tap into my anger every single day you know? Um, and, and, you know, now with, with, with CrossFit, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a little less angry because I don't have control of the playlist and it's all, you know, hip hop or EDM. So I don't really get to get angry, but, um, it's funny though. Actually I do, I do get angry and, and I joke about it sometimes with, um, you know, with my girlfriend and like other members at the gym that, that I anger comes up. Like, like if I get stuck on a particular like exercise that I can't do and I, and I kind of hit a wall, like I get fucking mad every now and then, not often, but it's like, Whoa, this is, and I, and, and I realize I'm like, this isn't even about me not being able to do this, this exercise. This is some shit that's been stored in there for, Oh, from a year ago or from years ago. And I'm like, and now it just has an opportunity to come up and it's cool. Cause I have a safe place cause it's the gym and people are grunting and they're yelling and I can just yell fuck as loud as I want. And it's like, yeah, it's not even about the fucking handstand pushups or whatever. It's about like, you know, all those times I was just being nice and now I need to not be nice. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And it's like, so good. like you said, it's like, it's that that energy that got caught in there from a year ago from some situation yeah. or many situ a chain of situations building into that and if we don't have outlets for our anger or allow ourselves to be vulnerable with ourselves and sit with ourselves with anger that means that like that anger is going to come out when that dude in front of you pulls yeah. in front of you and maybe that person driving in front of you didn't even see you. Maybe it's a complete mistake and there's no intention there. And I actually, I don't really drive in New York anymore. Um, I used to get very angry at people on the road and I still feel that kind of come up when I'm walking and I see someone speed through the neighborhood or whatever. But I used to get very, very angry at people um, just on the road for me perceiving them to do stupid things or or yeah. whatever it is and and one time i was with my uh my partner tia and she was in the passenger seat and i got really really mad uh at this person probably for you know cutting in front of me or whatever it was and and she looked at me and she's like what if that was that one mistake that that person made that day what if that was that one moment 
where they did something and then looked up and went, oh, shit. Oh, like my bad, you know, like I, damn, I didn't even see you. And she's like, what if that was their one moment? And I was just like, whoa, like, thank you. Like that is some absolute perspective right there. (laughs) It's funny. I I just, I just had an uh, experience the other day where I was on the freeway and I was trying to, I was trying to merge into the lane to get to, to cut over, to get off at my exit. And I was like about to go through and, and then the person like sped up and like wouldn't, you know, wouldn't let me in. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, you fucking asshole. And but what I noticed was I noticed the feeling and I noticed the energy and it was like the, the sort of tightness in the heart. And it was like this, this sort of ball of energy that was trying to rise, but I, I was so aware of it. I was like, wow, that's a very interesting sensation that I'm experiencing in my body. You know, and, and, and it was cool. Cause it's like, it, it shows, you know, I mean, I've been working on this shit for like 15 years, you know? So it's like, it was cool to see like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm at a good place where I, I can handle my shit and I don't explode, you know, for the most part, but, but just to notice like, oh, it's still, it's still there. You know, these little energy bubbles are, are still there. It was kind of cool. It was an interesting, interesting moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's like, that's what sitting with it is. That is a sense of controlling it by surrendering to it and not letting it control you. And it's like, I heard this quote, uh, I don't know who it's from. I, I'll probably mess it up, but it's like, anger is a disguise for fear of loss. And I've been thinking about that a lot and really what that means. And I've really noticed um, how that carries over into a lot of times when I do feel anger about something. And there is a sense of, of perceived loss from my ego. And that's really all that it is, you know, is kind of sitting with it, letting the ego pull up its stories and its narratives and just going like, okay, dude, like, it's all good. Like, you know, we're fine. Everything's okay. Um, let's just let this pass. It's fine to feel like this, but we'll let it pass. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, where, where I'm getting really intrigued by this idea around, um, like thinking about when we think about the opposite of, of, of being angry, or we think about like, being able to stay cool in those situations. It's uh, the, what, what, what comes to mind is the image of this dude who's just like woke and just peaceful. And it's like, I'm just zenned out and nothing bothers me. Like I'm enlightened, you know, and it's the image of this sort of like new age, like uh, just woke dude. Right. And, and it, and it's, there's, there's so much greatness in that, right? Because it, it, it is such a, a um, step forward from, I think, the toxic definition of like what a man is, is and supposed to be that comes from, you know, the 50s or whatever. Um, but at the same time, it's like that dude is so out of touch with reality and the reality of feelings and emotions because ignoring them isn't, also, isn't the answer either. You know, it's like being like, you know, numb to them or being above them also isn't necessarily really being connected with yourself and with your emotions and with with what's happening, you know? So there's, there's, it's like when, when it leans too far to this level of just like, oh, I'm just so at peace. 
Um, what I'm liking as I dive deeper into my sort of, I guess, study of, of, you know, masculine energy is it's like, no, we actually need to be connected and we need to get angry. There's some shit that you should fucking be pissed about, you know, and you should allow yourself to be pissed about, right? If you're just sitting and watching everything that's happening socially right now in, in America, and you're just like, this is all just good. And it's like, you know, you're, you're only living at that like higher collective consciousness level. And it's like, I only see the greatness in all of this, but actually being disconnected from feeling the fucking trauma of generations of people, you know, in our, in our country, then you're out of touch. You're not actually in touch with like your, your, your masculine core, just your, even your core as a human being, you know? So, um, I think that that's, part of what I've discovered in my own journey as a nice guy has been, uh, you know, coming from a place of being uncomfortable with like Nick quote unquote negative emotions. And I, 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 you know, just a little bit of like my story. I grew up in a, in a household where my mom and sisters fought all the time and it was just chaos. So I was very much the peacekeeper. And it was like, I just didn't want drama. I didn't want yelling. I didn't want fighting. I learned how to be the peacekeeper. And that carried over into my adult life where I don't want any kind of drama. I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to get along and I'll do what I can to make that happen. Um, and, and, but what that's made me, it's made me very weak in a lot of ways because then I'm scared of confrontation. I'm scared to actually be a leader and step into the shit because a leader can really step into the shit and can fucking hold his own and can help navigate through the inevitable sticky situations and the negative emotions and the ugly side of life that is just a reality, right? So that was a really kind of eye-opening thing that, you know, not, not even just from this book, but I think from this last sort of year of my life has been like learning how to be open to the ugliness and willing to step into it and knowing how to be a strong bold centered person in the middle of it yeah completely and i i like what you said about what's going on socially because i think there's so many layers to that too and it's like again with these these quotes that i'm all about i could be wrong i might have been from the book the art of war which i haven't read i just read like a bunch of quotes from it one time and they say it says like um control your anger or your enemies will use it against you and so being able to, like you said, observe what's going on, feel the anger, feel the collective trauma, feel whatever trauma that brings up in yourself, but not letting that anger dictate your freedom of choice and your free will and questioning that anger and questioning why. Where should this anger be directed? Where is it going to be the most useful for the good of myself and the good of all? Um, yeah. and so like, that's, that's a huge one. Yeah. Cause I, I used, I used to kid myself when I got into my personal development journey and, um, and, and I, I used to kid myself by, I think, pretending like I was unaffected, right? Like, like to say, like for in, in that instance of, you know, driving down the freeway and just being like, well, that doesn't bother me because I've, I'm woke and I've done the work and, and, you know, like I'm, I'm above that. I'm beyond that. Um, and I'm coming to realize, I'm like, that's not really the answer. So it's like, it's actually to be really in touch and feel it. And, and, um, and then, yeah. And then from there, choose how you respond, choose where you go, but you still got to feel it. Cause I think I, I was really skipping over feeling anything. 
and pretending like I'm above this in some sort of way, this doesn't affect me. But really what I was doing was storing all of those feelings into some deep, dark compartment, like way down in my soul that probably wasn't a good thing to do. It's like, you know, like that's, that's some shit that needs to come up and kind of be worked through. So, you know, learning how to feel more, to feel what's there. And I think that that's probably something that a lot of men, you know, you know, struggle with for different reasons. Or, you know, it's like we, we oftentimes don't feel we don't allow ourselves to feel, you know, a lot of, a lot of men are accused of, you know, not, not feeling of just being robots of being numb and learning how to feel, because then it's like, if we don't, if we don't learn how to feel the ugly emotions, we also don't really get to feel the good ones either. You know? So, so I think that's something I'm, I'm working on and working towards is like, let me feel things more get out of my head and, and, more into my heart, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And I think that conditioning from the male side comes from this idea of like, shouldn't, uh, should or should not. And like, oh, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way because then that could lead to this and that could lead to this, or I shouldn't be feeling this way because I've done so much work on myself and, and I'm a master of this. So I shouldn't feel this way. And that's just like the ego, just like putting a wall up and just pushing all of it down. And So moving past the idea of should or should not, and just allowing things to be, I think is one of the most important things we could do for stepping into that role of the divine masculine and being a conscious male in this society and, and being a gen of a generation that taps into the, the masculinity of of what that is. And like you said, it's kind of allowing the other half to open up of feeling the other emotions too. And, you know, moving, uh, more towards a balance of, you know, intuition and heart versus complete logic and reason and living up in the mind. And so like, what for you, what does stepping into the role of like a divine into the divine masculine and being a male, in the conscious movement that is kind of transforming our society. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the big question is, is I'm starting to ask myself as well. Cause that's, that's been a big thing that I've realized about myself too, is I've been, I've, I, I, I was living in this paradigm that like, I would always say, you know, we all live, there's, there's, you know, 7 billion people on this planet, but we live in 7 billion different worlds. This whole idea that like, we all live in our own world. And I very much have lived in my own world. I very much have just lived in my own bubble. I'm like, hey, if I, if I don't see it, it's not part of my reality, if it doesn't affect my my day to day, you know, and, and a lot of that was really coming from, hey, like, don't get caught up. Because I think a lot of people get way too caught up in shit that they're so far removed from that really has truly has no honest effect on their life, but they really let it affect their daily life. Right. So in response to that, I chose to just be not affected by anything. And, and I'm coming to realize that that's very irresponsible because I want to be a leader, right? I want to make a difference in, in the, in my community and in, you know, really wherever I can. And, and I have the power to do that. Like I am denying the power that I have by choosing to, to, to separate myself 
right? It's like I have I have so much so much fucking potential and so much energy inside of me and so much power inside of me that it's like I'm doing such a disservice to the world by not offering that and showing up where I can. And I'm also not allowing myself to like really fully be the real me, right? To not really step into my, 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 the full evolution of myself by only living in my own little bubble. Right. And, and, and I think that's, that's like, so many of us are doing that. We're all living in our, our, our little bubble. It's just like, you know, me and my life and like my little circle, my, you know, little pocket of influence. And we just want to be comfortable. It's like, let me just focus on, you know, making my money and getting my house and having my girl and, and, and that's it. And like, fuck everybody else, you know, but as we're seeing right now, socially, it's like we are a very, very interconnected web of humans that are living together that have some real fucking issues to work through. And the question is like, what's your role going to be in that? You know, and I, and I'm still questioning that. It's like, well, what, what really can I do about that? And also like, is this, you know, right now, currently, like, is this even my movement to really sort of be a part of, you know, like, the this sort of movement that we're talking about here of the not the, the male revolution, maybe the the divine male awakening, like whatever we want to we, we, we want to call it, like, I'm all about that. Like, I feel called to that. And so I know that I want to be a leader in that direction. 100%. I feel the same way. And it's like, for me, and I think it's it, it touches on exactly the things that you said. It's about removing the idea of like control around everything and that playing into controlling other people's perception of who I am and who I am in my masculinity and as a male. And I think that vulnerability and living the authentic truth of, of who I am without the fear of judgment, um, of, of guilt, of shame. And I, I think that learning about nice guy syndrome has really opened me up to how much shame I carried around about myself and about who I am in general and not just like what it means to be a man, but like I am a man. So therefore it reflects on my masculinity but being worried about how that is perceived from others and and from the the public in whatever sense that may be and so i i fully believe that this male and masculine movement towards stepping into the divine masculine is about vulnerability and it's about laying it out on the line with just like this is who i am this is what makes me me and what my truth is and i'm a man so that means that i'm stepping into my masculinity and and it's a it's a beautiful thing like you said it's it's extremely empowering and it's extremely um uplifting just to know that it's like i have confidence in myself and my truth and and who i am therefore like i don't need these other opinions to dictate my worth and how I feel about myself. Yeah. And I think a a big part of being a nice guy is that they 
care, we care about our image. We care about our image too much. We care about what we look like, how we're perceived by others. And when we, we, we get caught up in that, that worry and concern about our, our own image becomes more, more powerful and important than our mission. And so when we start to let go of caring about what we look like or caring about what other people think, then we really get to step into our mission. And, 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 and our mission and our purpose is in some way all about how can I serve other people? How can I help the world? How can I help the community? How can I bring my talents and my gifts and my spirit and my energy to the world in a way that fulfills my purpose, you know, here on earth? But the only way we can really get into that is to let go of caring about what anybody fucking thinks. Uh, So that's, that's like a huge step to that process. And I think for any guys out there that are listening right now, like if any of this is resonating with you, I would say, you know, it's like start there. Like really look at where am I caught up in caring about what other people think? Where am I caught up in caring about what I look like and, and how I'm perceived? And let go of that. Start to let go of that and, and start to shift into, you know, how am I here to make a difference? How am I here to help? How am I here to serve? You know, because that, that's the only way that we can really fill that missing piece inside of ourselves that so many people feel completely it's just trust and surrender are the two words that come to mind those have been my my words for 2020 is uh trust and surrender and it's a process it's a it's a a, like i'll always say it's an it's a never-ending process but you make steps forward and you gain clarity on different levels and you gain awareness and then you take that forward and you, you tap into your soul, into your soul's mission, into your soul's purpose. And like you said, that mission has to do with serving other people, but you can't serve the external until you learn how to serve your internal. And serving your internal is is being vulnerable with yourself, allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel, um, allowing yourself and accepting emotions and energy and, and thoughts and the shadow that's been ignored and and suppressed for so long. Um, you know, I've been I've been focusing on shadow work a lot recently, and one of kind of like the downloads I got in meditation around it was like that my shadow wants to be acknowledged more on a consistent basis, and that it's like this kind of timid side of myself that hides behind things and doesn't want to show itself for fear of of judgment and guilt and and shame and yeah. and it's been real that was literally like yesterday and so it's been uh even just this morning working with that and almost like visualizing uh like this cloaked figure in my meditation today kind of come up to me after I express that there was space for vulnerability and acceptance and compassion. And this cloaked kind of figure came up to me and pulled the cloak off and it was me. And I just like, I gave myself a a big hug and it was just like, it's okay. Like, it's all okay. Like we are, we're, we're together in this, you know? And, and so I think the shadow is, it needs acknowledgement. It needs love. And, and that's one part of our masculinity that, that needs to be stepped into. And, I can't wait to do ayahuasca with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'll happen. It's it's definitely going to happen. It's on that agenda. Um, but yeah, man, I think that about wraps up our conversation. We just hit an hour on the dot. 
Um, yeah. And that was beautiful. Um, are there any final uh, words or things that you'd like to uh, get out there for the people? Yeah, I would. I would just say that you know anybody that has resonated with anything that we've talked about today and and feels compelled to uh, you know learn more, just connect and vibe out on some of these ideas i just invite you to reach out reach out reach out to ryan reach out to myself um we would love to continue this discussion and, and take it further and take it deeper yeah 100 percent. i i second that and where can uh where can people reach out to you i'll include the links in in the show description but just uh what are your your handles for socials yeah yeah they can feel free to hit me up on instagram Nick, N-I-K underscore Cherwink, C-H-E-R-W-I-N-K. Um, we've got a website, nickcherwink.com. You can hit me up there as well. Um, add me on Facebook. Come to my house. <laughs> Show up at your door. Put <laughs> pizza to my house. Yeah. Awesome, any, man. Of, any of those will work. <laughs> Especially the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> well, hell yeah, man. Well, once again, I'm uh, I'm extremely grateful to call you my my soul brother and part of my tribe, and I very much am so excited to see where this relationship takes us and unfolds even more. Um, and I know that we'll be doing this again in the near future. Oh yeah! Thanks again, man.